Hi, everyone. Welcome to the self Publish Strong podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Pearson, and I'm joined today by my husband. Hi, I'm Nolan. And we have a guest person here today. What is your name and who are you? I'm David J. West. Oh, I forgot you have the J in there. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I have a J in there, if that means anything. If that means anything. I don't generally forget you have a J in there. <laughs> no, I only put it on all my books. It's, so. it's true. Well, I don't <laughs> read your books, so. <laughs> That's true. Just kidding. Wait, is it not on this one? No, my pen name outsells me. Well, that's good. Yeah, it's good. It's all right. <laughs> like it's... As long as stuff sells yeah. and the money comes to the same bank account. <laughs> no kidding. Okay, so we're talking about Casino Royale today, and we're talking, and then we'll be doing Hunger Games next week, and then Ten Things I Hate About You, and then Finding Forrester. And after that, I believe we're doing our next marketing episode. And uh, so, David, do you have any updates for us this week? <laughs> you mean like a quote? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a okay. minute. Uh, are you? What are you working on right now? Tell tell them what you write. All, everything. Uh, well, yourself. with my pen name, James Alderdice, I've had some good success with uh, Brutal, and I'm just about to release the sequel, Fierce. Sweet. Yeah. And Brutal is? Brutal is like... Erotica. Conan, not quite. It's a little light on the erotica. <laughs> it's a sword and sorcery action adventure. It's kind of like Conan the Barbarian meets Fistful of Dollars. Nice. So it's Stranger Comes to Town. Mm-hmm. And Fierce is more that Stranger ends up in a strange land. Okay. So having fun with it. That's awesome. I forgot you had a pen name. That's so crazy. <laughs> well, it's... I started to try and apply some marketing things, and it's worked out big time. That's so awesome. That's really cool. Let's see. How did we meet? LTUE or no? Valor. Was it no? It was pre-Valor. It was pre-Valor. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. It might have been Storymakers. Let's see. I went to Storymakers while I had signed with Valor. Oh. Then it was probably LTUE before that. Yeah, it could be. It was a long time ago. It was a very long time ago. I think... I think neither one of us had our books out. I had a contract, but my book wasn't out. You, yet. you had, you were with wi- Widow, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You had a contract, and I was probably just getting under contract. And it was before I'd met him. I met him. I, no, I signed with Valerie a year before I met you. So wow. So I've known her longer than you. Yeah, I know. No, actually, I'm the other. Man. No, I signed with Valor in February, and I met you in April. Oh. And then we were married a year after yeah. I signed with Valor. Okay. So about the same. Roughly. <laughs> now I'm all insecure. <laughs> That's funny. She said, um, hey, David, what do you think about this guy? Should I go out with him? And I was like, take it to the hole. <laughs> uh, yeah, you were the, he's, you're the one of the very first authors of author friends that Nolan met of mine. Mm-hmm. Good deal. Yeah. Let's see. Okay, so yeah, go ahead and read the quote. Care about people's approval and you will be their prisoner. Charlie Daniels, but I think he borrowed that from Lao Tzu. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was like, but wait a second. That's not who I attributed it to. <laughs> so why'd you pick that quote? Um, big Charlie Daniels fan. Yeah. How come? Uh, just his, uh, you know, fiddle playing prowess and reading of uh, Chinese philosophy mm-hmm. and the art of war moves me. Mm-hmm. I have a copy in the living room. I saw that. It was nice. It's a nice copy, isn't the, the it? Color, the color really contrasted with your whole our, entertainment system. Our decoration. The, yeah. the red and the, the red, the red black. flowers, the white. 
Yeah. That was intentional. <laughs> we put it up there once we saw it. We're like, ooh, this will match our decor. <laughs> now you guys just need a sword. Yeah. Got He's got... Yeah. Cool. Where is it? It's in the garage. Okay. It's yeah. not in the garage anymore. It's in oh, the basement. Garage is, the basement's not doing any good. The sword needs to be seen and appreciated. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'll put just, it in the front yard. Just, just like, like that. All right. Anyway, okay, so care about people's approval and you will be their prisoner. How does that apply to being a writer? Um... We definitely want to be read. We definitely want to market and have our books sold. But ultimately, I am convinced you have to have that satisfaction within you of what you're creating, what you want to do, and being happy with it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, you'll for sure burn out and yeah, yeah. not get anywhere. So you've got to be, ultimately, you got to be happy with what you're doing. Yeah, I hear all those stories about the authors that, you know, they <clears throat> they take the money, you know, mm-hmm. they write what take what it gets money and then they, they just burn out and they're done. And Reverse I'm like, harem. Mm-hmm. so yes, <laughs> seriously. So it gets them money for like a year, two years, and then it kills them for years, you know, and then they start writing what they're passionate about. And anyway, I don't think it's, well, I don't know. Money's nice. I'm, I'm now taking Nolan's side of things. <laughs> take the money and run. Sell out. Take the money. <laughs> I always promised myself, and this is since I was a teenager, that I would sell out at the first opportunity. Jeez, <laughs> oh, that's very comforting as a wife. <laughs> keep holding out for that. And it'll come. Nobody's, uh, nobody's offered me. <laughs> it's my regular salary. And that's it. I'm, okay. I'm ready to sell. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the tips, because your wife doesn't like hearing things like that. <laughs> So we're still talking about book covers. This is actually the last time we'll be talking about book covers. Oh. But <laughs> Aww, are you sad? About, we talked about book covers. Yeah, we talked about book covers while oh. we were gone. <laughs> Very, that's, that's good, actually. So you guys are all warmed up then. Yep. Okay, so if you're struggling to, uh, with design between multiple cover designs, consider holding polls. You know, which cover do you like better? I use pickfu.com. If any, have you heard of pickfu? Nope. Okay, so pickfu.com is a site where uh, you basically pay to get responses. And so that what you do is you put your question out there and they will, you know, it is usually about books and stuff. So it's like descriptions, book covers, things like that. Like, which book would you read based on these covers, you know? And then you get uh, responses in that way. And it's been very, very helpful in choosing titles, covers, descriptions, and other things book related. But if money's an issue, then run polls on social media. Our, last week I talked about the, the three separate groups, you know. You haven't probably even heard that tip yet. Maybe. It's on, it was on Jurassic World, which goes live. Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) Considering it hasn't been aired, I have not heard it. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, run polls on social media in your newsletter. I love using my newsletter list. Uh, I don't like to rely on readers for feedback generally because they lead you astray really easily. I'm going to quote you on that. Okay. Readers lead you astray. <laughs> so, so if you're if you're asting them, you know, like I had readers that got it really really attached. I don't know. Do you remember? You remember obviously my original right. covers for the Mosaic Chronicles. They were so mad at me for changing, but I'm like, guess what? My books sell now. I mean, they sold before because they found people who like cellos, but. Right. I don't have a cello on my cover anymore, and now I get many, many more downloads. Too, uh, too niche. Yeah, it was too niche. Yep. That, and I think with some of those people, it's just what they were used to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people just get used to something, and then, that's what they want. Yeah, exactly. Plus, you want to sell to people who aren't necessarily your you fans. Want to, you want to sell <laughs> yeah. to violin fans, oboe fans, tuba <laughs> fans. <laughs> okay, so... All right. So not only are polls a great way to market your book, but if you have enough people voting, then they'll basically pick the best option, especially if you have like the polls running in more than one place. You don't get the bandwagon jumpers. Always a a problem. It is. It's a big problem. 
Okay, so um, if you only have a handful of people vote, it might not be enough to show a clear winner. So make sure you're getting a lot of people. And then ask for comments from your friends and your family and then from other authors in your genre. But make sure you take the comments with a grain of salt, especially the outliers. So, But if you start noticing trends across groups and across sections of people, then you pay attention to that. And then, like I said a little while ago, go in with the attitude of this potentially sucks, help me make it better, and you won't get upset if or when people say it does suck. Because likely, especially when you're starting out, it's going to likely suck. Just especially unless you, when you're making your own. Yeah. If you're hiring a professional cover designer who's done it for a long time, it then... It should suck less to start with, or yes. else you're not doing you're, the right yeah. designer. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the quote or the tip for... I always confuse those two for some reason. That's the tip for today. And uh, let's see. I think that means we go into the movie now. Yeah. All right, Nolan, I'm going to have you start off. I usually do. So give it, tell us a little bit about the characters. James Bond, period. <laughs> right? Iconic. M. M. I know. Iconic character. Yes. You know his name. You know his name. Yeah. And he's had many different people play him. Mm -hmm. um, and he's had different representations, different incarnations, but he's still James Bond. Yeah. When did the first James Bond? It was in the 60s, 1962 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Oh, Sean Connery and those, those horrible eyebrows. <laughs> what are you talking about? Those expressive manly eyebrows. Oh my gosh, the eyebrows that were like this long. They went from hairline to hairline. <laughs> I'm fine with it. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I think he's more attractive as an older man, honestly. David West, David and Nolan are attracted to him in his younger days. So James did you Bond. Did you see him when he was in Darby O'Gill? Oh, I didn't know he was in that. Oh, I hate that movie. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know if I can do this podcast. <laughs> Fine. If it's going to be that way, you might as well leave now. Just kidding. <laughs> Heresy. Anyway, so yeah, James Bond. He's the iconic. He's the hero. He's the. Yep. He's the one who never changes, except in this one, he does. But. Um, not necessarily. Well, it's it's his hero start. It's, it's the it's it's, the, it's, uh, it's it's a reboot, and I I like what they did with it. I it's really a gritty do. reboot. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> a gritty reboot. Um, I think arguably the most realistic interpretation of Bond, even for an over the top action movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the they decided to reboot because the previous series had gotten too convoluted and fantastical. Yeah. Uh, like invisible which, cars. Which are you talking um, about? Pierce Brosnan's yeah. version. Okay. Yeah, it got too far out of reality. Yeah. I think it wasn't very grounded. Like that one guy with the diamonds in his face. That was like the last one they made. <laughs> I forgot about North that. Korean. Yeah. Right. And like the giant <laughs> like laser thing. I didn't thing. like that one. <laughs> That's why they decided. And then they 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 yeah, didn't. And I love Bond, contract. and I didn't like that one. Yeah. They decided not to renew Pierce Brosnan's contract. No offense to Pierce Brosnan, I thought he did a fine job as being. Well, according to I, trivia, but, the broccoli lady had been watching Daniel Craig for quite some time, and when they won the rights to it, she said, "I mean, they the studio wanted to offer Pierce Brosnan the part for the new reboot," and she said, "No, we're doing Daniel Craig." And they should have started over with him. Yeah, with the reboot, yeah, you need a new actor. Yeah, and definitely. Daniel Craig's great because. I saw him in things before this, like he was in Tomb Raider mm -hmm. with That's Angelina right, Jolie, and he was that. in another English gangster movie, Layer Cake. I love English gangster movies. See, and I'm, I'm like a lot of my women friends. They were like, he's, you know, James Bond's supposed to have dark hair, and I'm like, I think I thought Daniel Craig was the most attractive one so far. <laughs> Though I did have a crush on Pierce Brosnan, but not anymore. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, yeah, James Bond, gritty reboot, and that worked well. Mm -hmm. um, but he still has a lot of the characteristics that 
you know, the ladies' man, yeah. uh, <laughs> super competent at everything. But in this one, he actually gets his butt kicked before he wins instead of just running around punching, knocking people out with one yeah, punch. Yeah. Um, he continually gets his butt kicked in this yeah, one. He does. Like, the bad guys aren't stormtroopers. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's part of what I'm saying makes it a little more realistic. Yeah. You know. Like, it. I mean, he takes on, like, one guy and it's hard. Yeah. You know. Yep. Like, the fight seems to last a while. Yeah, like in the stairwell, she's there too. Of course, she's just trying to run and get away. That's an interesting complication. Yeah, it is. Well, well she helps. She she does help. And he well, he knocks side. the first guy down pretty quickly. So he's fighting against the one guy pretty much the whole time. The guy had a machete. Yeah. I want a machete. My own. Have my own okay. machete. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah. So, I mean, he's, it, it's, he's the viewpoint character, right? Yeah. Does he have an arc? Um, he kind of does. I mean, he starts off as a brand new. I mean, he's not. She's like, you know, M's like, we shouldn't have given you. I knew we, we shouldn't have promoted you. Which but, is leads into the first scene. Yeah. So he's got like, he does have a slight arc because, you know, he, he does learn a little bit. I think, okay, so I'll just give it right now. The romance, um, I put meh by it because <laughs> I don't really care about either woman. But it's character development for Bond. So it's basically him trying for normal and it doesn't work. And so he never goes back to it again because mm -hmm. she's single, you know. Perfect. <laughs> not his type not his type right yep and then we have m his boss yeah who's the what do i want to say the romance quoted there is pretty low between him and him i, I don't know i thought there was <laughs> oh, David. quite a bit of tension i mean he breaks into her house he's sitting there lounging in her furniture yeah and... he... wait a second m is married so oh, maybe you're right. she is his type. So the guy who was laying in the bed, by the way, was one of their like crewmen. <laughs> he wasn't <laughs> an actual actor. <laughs> you in the bed. <laughs> nice. I thought that was funny. Uh, yes. And then um, Vesper, the uh, romantic foil, I guess. Vesper, the romantic Lind, foil. the girl. Vesper oh, Lind. the horse girl. Is that who you're talking about? Uh, oh, no, no, Vesper's the spy chick, whatever. See, not the, CI, the accountant. The accountant. Yes. Sorry. I don't follow names. You know I don't follow names. If it's one of my favorite movies, I know and then, all the names. And then the, the bad guy, Le Chiffre. Le Chiffre. Le Chiffre. Yes. <laughs> yeah. As played by Mads eye. Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Bond, he's... Uh, okay, so he's basically... His personality is established from the very, very beginning. He's cool. He's calm, collected from the start. Like when he was like... Ow. But is he? I mean, let's they talk about. They shoot him with the chip, and he goes ow, and that's all he does. And then when he gets attacked at the airport by security, he doesn't even try to explain to him, them who he is. You know, he's just mm -hmm. okay, fine. You know. Oh, and he gives the grin because he knows that guy's gonna blow himself up. Yeah, so yeah. he's like, uh, uh, sucker. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but he does fumble a lot. I mean, he's you know he's not perfect. He's not. No, he's not. Um, so let's uh, talk about the opening scene, though. Yeah. Like, this is the first time we see him at And all. you have the same note on yours that I have on mine. Yeah. Black and white. Yep. Why? It's when he is still in a black and white world because he's not seeing color yet. He's very black and white. I'm doing my job. That's it. And I would say this is the most deep cinematic effort of the movie because... It's not a deep cinematic movie, but it's just this, here's where he's at in his life, black and white. He wants to become a double O. Mm -hmm. And we still see that that little bit of humor of, he tells the guy, I know where you keep your gun. Yeah, yes. that was funny. We don't know each other very well, or we didn't get the opportunity to know each other very well. He's like, I know where you keep your gun. <laughs> that's all he needs to know about him, right? Yeah. And he's there to kill him. I guess that's the two. 
But it does make it feel more gritty. I mean, it's like it's a pretty knockdown, drag out fight. I mean, they're yeah. in the bathroom breaking walls and fixtures, and yeah. he drowns the guy in a sink. Yeah. And well, sort of, and then he's not dead, and then he shoots him. But you know, mm-hmm. he's willing to like go that like that gritty and that mm-hmm. like. Bare I, don't, I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure. I was. I didn't. Wasn't a huge fan of black and white because black and white usually means it happened in the past, like way in the past, you know. But I do like your interpretation of it. Like that. Actually, I'm like, okay, well, all right, I can accept that. You know that that works for it. Um, and as soon as he becomes a double O agent, then it's in everything's color. in color. Yeah. The other aspect of it I like is I have serious origin fatigue. Spider Man. Yeah. <laughs> Batman. And I like this that it's a reboot. But they are just giving us the bare bones yeah. origin. Here it is beginning. Yeah. It Which feels they've actually like never it. done, really, in the other James Bond movies. They don't really show him becoming a double O agent. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. And that the other aspect of is when they did in the old series, had him meet up with Vesper Lynn. They, they got married. And that was, you know, in the middle of the series, or roughly, because it was in the, between Connery and Roger Moore. Mm-hmm. That one guy that did that one movie. Yeah, George Lesby. I actually met him at Tree City yeah. Comic Con. Oh, that's nice. In Her Majesty's <laughs> Secret a, Service, was it? Yep, yep. Yeah. Okay. I'm a Bond fan. I, I thought it was cool, <laughs> even if that's the only movie I've watched him in. And they get, yeah, they get together and she dies in that movie, like right away. Well, I didn't. No, at the very end. At the very end. But I mean, like, they get married the and uh, Blofeld kills her yeah. at the very end. Yeah. And that's one reason Bond's like, that's it. I'm done. I haven't even seen and that movie, and I pegged s- that from this one. <laughs> we still kind of get that with this one. Yeah, we do. That that was my interpretation. I was like, he's he's done. I mean, yeah. Girls, as she said, towards you know their the beginning of their relationship, girls are just something he plays with, and he's done with. <laughs> but now he really has that attitude. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there was a chance before, but it's gone. Um, okay, foreshadowing. Yeah. So there is two scenes where a girl walks in front of a poker match mm-hmm. before the big scene with Vesper. Yeah. I I just think it's funny that she flips it on him. Yeah. Um, so you see so that. So explain that. Well, it, so they know what you're talking about. He asks her to walk in looking hot to distract everyone. While walk in it, where the, uh, the enemy can see her. Yeah. And twice Lashif, I think, mm-hmm. was does that with his girl. Before the scene. Where she comes in. Where she comes in. But she doesn't do what he says. She does it so that he will notice her. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because that's what's important to her, which tells us something about her character. Yeah. Um, she didn't care as much about the mission, because he's like, what about the mission? And she's like, oh, what? <laughs> I have your attention. That's all I really wanted. So, there you go. Yeah. Any foreshadowing comments on your... Um, I was intrigued that they had the Spectre agent, Mr. White, right in the beginning mm-hmm. with uh, the villains when you first, he, you see Mr. White before you even see Le Chief. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was intriguing because normally that guy is always in the background just watching. I mean, mm-hmm. he, has a, he has an important part towards the end. Yeah. And I just yeah. thought it was intriguing that. <laughs> he had to get his leg. He's a know, Spectre. Yes. Right. Yep. Looming in the background, yeah. which is yeah. important for further on in the series. Yeah. Right. Because, I mean, he, he also introduces you to, like, the bigger bad guys without mm-hmm. directly interfering. Yeah. Because you know, he's like, I just introduce people. I just, yeah. I'm a fixer. I'm not actually in this. Yeah. And that lets you know that, you know, Lashif's a bad guy, but he got introduced by somebody else mm-hmm. who has those connections. So he connects yeah. people to people that are really scary. So, like, what else has he got going on? Well, it, that and there's a technique that I love um, 
that was in Fellowship of the Ring. The scary orcs, what are they afraid of? The, the bigger thing, yeah. The bigger bad thing. And when Mr. White shows back up, Lashif's like, oh, hey, uh, you'll you'll get him. He's afraid of him. Yeah. So I like that. What are scary guys afraid of? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And Star Wars, you know, like Darth, Darth Vader, Vader kills a bunch of people. And he's like, oh, when the Emperor gets here, he's like, well, the Emperor's coming? He's like, yeah, you don't even want to know what happens <laughs> when he gets here. Yeah. But yeah. I bow down to him when he shows up. So you don't even want to mess with that. Yeah. Same thing. It's very good because that. And like Harry Potter with Professor Quirrell and then Voldemort. Because, oh, you're so scared uh, of Professor Quirrell. <laughs> Just kidding. I was. No. <laughs> But it's good to thread that in. I mean, if you're yeah. going to have a series, we if you're going to have a bigger, we talked know. about the problems with sequels. Mm-hmm. You got to thread things in early if you plan on having it. One of the reasons why sequels bomb is because they make a one-off movie. They mm-hmm. didn't plan for a sequel. They tie off everyone's character arcs. They have nowhere to go, so they have to like invent ones, new mm-hmm. ones, and those don't feel like the character because it's this whole other arc. Yep. And then, you know, they don't throw the bad guys through so it doesn't build tension because you're not building off, you know, the first movie's bad guy. Yep. None of that stuff. This is good. Okay, so let's see. Any comments on dialogue? We want to skip that. Good dialogue. Yeah. Um, I dialogue like, didn't catch my attention, so that uh, means it's, it's good dialogue. There's some really good lines, you know, like M and Bond have some really mm-hmm. good banter, oh, yes. and him and, Ves- and Bond and Vesper have some mm-hmm. good banter yeah. as well. They're. they're they're, they're better than him in a lot of cases at bantering. Mm-hmm. Like, they beat him at, at the word games. Um, it's not his strong suit. And, he you know, he's like a bull in a china shop half the time. I mean, he just, you know, he doesn't care. He busts into an embassy, shoots a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Right? Um, that's He's that guy. He's yep. a bull in a china shop, she says, you know. You're a loose cannon. You're dangerous. <laughs> you know. But he's still got the one-liners for the bad guys. But he still does have a good one-liners. That is true. Mm-hmm. But he can't really do the back and forth with the ladies. I guess him failing against M and then against Vespers. You know, they just got his number. They've got him pretty well figured out. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Antagonist, protagonists, or several antagonists. I like stories like that. The complexity, you know, you you are chasing these guys and then you find out that there's more beyond that i like that sort of complexity in stories yeah quite a bit right because he's got a, he chases down the bomb maker and then that leads him to the guy that was going to blow up the airplane yeah um and those are all just little fish exactly on yeah, the way. Leading. yeah and that that was a lot of enjoy a lot of enjoyment for me and then he has those two it's like okay who coordinated that and then he gets to the bigger fish and yeah. then the sheep shows up and then but he also has antagonistic relationships with vesper and with him yeah. i mean they're on his side but mm-hmm. they often work against him. They say, no, you can't do that. Yeah, he's not um, exactly the protagonist. There's not, not really a true protagonist antagonist because he is pretty antagonistic with almost all the characters in all. I mean, that's James Bond. He's yes. a solo person, you know. Right, exactly. He's not a he's not a team player. No. You know, he's not. Let's see, what was the inciting incident? I had a hard time. I, I did too, actually. Yeah, David. I. you can see from my notes, I have nothing. I have an arrow I, saying that means to me, I always do an arrow there that means write it out, and um, I didn't. I, I guess what it is is when Lashif loses um, his money. Yeah, that he lo- and that's directly caused by Bond. Right. Trying to and Bond's on his trail. So it's, I was thinking about it. I'm like, what would I say is the inciting incident in that? If we're not saying that this is Bond's story where he becomes a 007. If we're saying this particular overall mission arc, I guess would be when uh, Lashif takes the Ugandan money 
to invest in. Okay, Mm -hmm. yeah, that, yeah. And, you know, that's... The biggest thing that's a hook for this is the character of Bond himself. It's not even really the plot. That's that's Mm -hmm. how I see it. It's not the plot. It's more character. Right. I mean, we want to see Bond doing Bond things. Yeah. And so Bond gets thrown in the middle of the things that he affects this, that affects that, butterfly effect. But when it comes to one particular inciting incident, it's almost hard to say what is it. Yeah, because he's going after the bomb maker first thing. Right. I mean, he's just sent on that mission just because that's what he was assigned, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. And Lashif is like a whole... It takes a while to get there because that guy has made bombs for people that are connected. It's like really distant. Yeah. You know, because like the... The bomb maker has worked for other people before, and that guy has arranged for bomb makers for the sheep mm-hmm. in the past. But so I mean, that was in Madagascar, right. which is actually a long way from where the sheep was getting money from the Ugandans. And, you know, we might have a tendency to think, well, it's Africa, but those are actually really far apart. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then he's in Nassau to meet the other guy that's arranging the bombs, mm-hmm. who is still just a go-between. Mm-hmm. So... So I would say it was a convoluted inciting incident. Yeah. Right. Not that it doesn't work for an overall story, but it's the hook is the character. Yeah. Yeah, it's not as cut and dry. And it's an investigate and it's an investigation, so it can't be cut and dry or else it would be yeah. not interesting. I mean, he's gotta go down some I don't wanna say he doesn't really go down any blind alleys, but he goes down some very oblique. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's different tangents. because there's but, been there's been other Bond movies with that had a particular inciting incident the bad guys steal the space shuttle this is definitely more convoluted see the good thing about this is james we we want him i mean his character he he has to prove to us in this movie his originating his orgy orgy (laughs) i think he does that (laughs) his origination story we need to know that he is able to reason through things so he figures things out that most people would not be able to because he's He's educated in this type of stuff. He's trained, and he's just Bond. So, like, when he figures out that the guy went through the, the security door at the at the airport, you know, like, sorts of things like that that other people wouldn't be able to figure out. Like, Bond, we see him throughout all of this. Not, I mean, blind alley, but he's still figuring out his way through those, you know. He's good at tradecraft. Yeah. He, um, like, you know, on that, like, at the very first colored scene he's in, where the guy's like touching his ear and he's like, don't, don't you touch know. your ear. Yeah. Just a simple thing. But he's like, don't be obvious. You know, we're mm-hmm. here. Because don't... that's what gives the guy away. Exactly. I mean, he's like so touching it's like his those ear, little... staring at the guy and pulls a gun out. Yeah. Don't <laughs> let them catch you looking at them or trailing them. I mean, those are so, you know, his, yeah. his he has common catches. sense. He has a gift. Yeah. And they this. still catch him sometimes like the guy in the airport sees him following. Yeah. yeah. Um. So he's, you know, he's not perfect, but he knows to try to hide. I yeah. Mean, yep. You know, yeah. All right, continuity and pacing. I'm going to say boring from the torture scene okay. all the way until M calls him asking where the money ended up. <laughs> so the whole third act. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. This is not this is this is no offense. This is my least favorite James Bond movie ever made. <laughs> wow. Really? That's harsh. Yes. Wow. It's quite long. Um, it is very long. Um okay, so the torture scene, I hate torture scenes. The torture scene has no point to it. He doesn't learn anything. We don't learn anything. He's just there to get tortured until we learn that he won't dies. Break. We already know he won't break from earlier stuff, you know? It's just rehashing what we're doing. Reboot. <laughs> yeah. What is his balls? Well. <laughs> anyway. Every guy that saw that scene for the first time went, Oh, I'm I'm right there with you. I have five brothers. Like, to me, it's just torture for the viewers, and it doesn't do anything new for us. Right. The very first time I saw the movie, I was like, 
somebody's busting in. They're not going to get him. <laughs> oh, they do. Oh, they got him. <laughs> anyway, so I'm like, to me, uh, it was slow at times. Like the movie, I felt like they could have trimmed. I mean, that whole, I mean, she's going to betray him. And it felt like it was the end of the movie. So the first time I watched it, I was like, why are we still watching this movie? Why, why are we still watching this movie? I'm like, cut out the boring stuff where they're like lovey-dovey and staring at each other. Wow, and... that's so weird coming from you. <laughs> it, it's a thriller movie, and they have a huge interlude from the action and from the intrigue and the suspense. And, and it, when it comes to comparing it to the old Vesper Lind and Bond romance where they actually got married, mm-hmm. um, they were really cutting to the chase with this one, trying to say, see, they care about each other. This moves, This means something to him. This is going to impact him big time. Okay. This is why he's never going to be committed to one woman again mm-hmm. because he tried once and it failed. And I think they were just trying to make sure they could squeeze that and in I and wish- say, hey, this is how it is. This is why he, she meant a lot to him. And now he'll never care about anybody as much again. And I think they could have said, done that. I mean, he did tell her he loved her, you know, before he That's got tortured. But I mean, they could have weaved all of that in and then just not made me feel like I'm like watching my clock. Like, why are, why are we still watching this movie? Why aren't we fighting and... Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> that's what I say like every romance movie we watch. <laughs> yeah, but the romance, that's the point of the movie. And and James Bond is not the point. I mean, it teaches us something about him, but they had nothing going on for like 20 minutes. They did it a lot. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> There's yeah, something those, going those on. lamps fell. Oh my gosh! Whatever. There's something going on. <laughs> obviously, obviously, I'm in the, I'm in the minority here, and that's okay. Uh, there was a lot about this movie that I did like. I mean, it's a, it's a Bond movie, right? My favorite Daniel Craig one is Skyfall, though, and I, that one was just super well done to me. Yeah, yeah, I thought Skyfall was real well made. Plus, they have the car again <laughs> with the missiles in it. Yes, very old school. Anyway, so conflicts. I know you had comments on conflicts, didn't you, Nolan? Um, I, um, I'd had a try fail with the oh, gambling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he tries that's, to win. That's what fails. I had. Poker try fail. Yeah. yeah. No, that's really good. I mean, I like that because you he feel actually, like he's fake losing, but right. he, he's actually actually losing. And he actually loses. Yeah. And he actually is out of the game. Yep. Until, yeah. So, so what's his face? And she says, Felix. yeah, he's Felix. out of the game. She says no more money. Yep. And then it's not until... Felix Leiter comes in and, and the thing is, out. he was right there ready to attack Lashif with a knife. Right. Yeah. Until Felix th- says, whoa. We have another way. <laughs> Maybe not kill the guy in the middle of the hotel. Yeah. yeah. No, that was awesome. I, I actually enjoyed the, the gambling scenes because it's intrigued that you see them playing off of each other and they know, you know, they know who each other is and they know right. why each other is there. So that was, it was a lot of fun to watch those scenes. Yep, and they there's still a game outside the game, like the poison, and then yep. like him trying to use her to distract people, and you know. And then the bad guys come in to get Lashif because right. he hasn't paid him back yet, and Bond ends up being the one taking care of him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he accidentally saves Lashif from. And then, and then on top of that, I would say that PTSD moment is what helps bring Vesper romantically with him. Mm-hmm. Yes, Good it's point. A, it's yeah. a, that's their pivotal bonding scene. Yeah, yeah. because if you want to say, well, that's not rational, well, a lot of the time love's not rational. And I would say eh, having this PTSD moment where she's freaking out about it, I think makes as much sense as anything for saying, mm-hmm. okay, she disliked him. She was antagonistic to him, saying she didn't like him. Mm-hmm. 
But she was even though she still did. She but but that kind of helped push things over the, the edge if you want to say, oh, that's not rational. Well, it's, love's not rational. Tell me about it. <laughs> you didn't... You never told him that? Fill out the paperwork that I gave you? <laughs> oh. The pros and cons. It's nice column. being the one to say things that make you pause first instead of the other way around. <laughs> I'm not sure what you mean. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, comedy, tone, mood, colors, um, and then things we liked and worked for us. Oh, are we going down? We don't go in Alex um, 13, 14. numerical no, order? No, I don't, actually. <laughs> I've never even noticed that, but you're right. I don't go in numerical order. Not okay, in this I was page. waiting to go in numerical order. All right, comedy tone. I love the Bond one-liners. I love the throwing a knife at a guy and saying stick around type of things. Yeah, it's fun. And maybe... Yeah. That, that's me. No, it's fun. But it, it appeals, I think, to the action. Uh, commando. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got the reference. Good. Well, wait, maybe it was in Predator, too. I don't maybe. know. Okay. I didn't it was in Predator. It was Predator. It was Predator. No, I agree with you. I like I, I like his, especially the way he delivers things, you know. Yeah. Jesus. But even, even Schwarzenegger, I would say, still took that from Connery starting it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, classic hero one-liners. I mean, it's a cross-action genre. Um, but I, I really think, you know, Bond, Connery's Bond, yeah. I think, started that. Oh, yeah. It's elementary. Yeah. <laughs> when they, they had the diamonds and the dead guys yep. behind Yes, I remember so that. So, yeah, he uses them all the time, like, no matter, not even just for, like, engaging with a villain, but yeah, he just drops those sorts of comments all the time. Excellent. I'm still stuck up on me not going numerical. <laughs> like, I do it on the first page. I don't know why. Tone, the comedy tone, mood, and colors. Um, uh, I One thing I like about Bond movies is they go out of their way to show you how exotic and glamorous everything is. And there's yeah. you know, all those great scenes at Lake Como. Yeah, they travel quite a bit. And that's something you they do. Almost the all of them is you go to some glamorous location or some horribly destitute, poverty-stricken location. Yeah. And they do both. And but they, it's something exotic. Yeah. And they flip between them. It causes It's a big contrast because yeah. like they're in Uganda and then they're in like Montenegro and maybe not just... Right Bahamas. Every, yeah, exactly. They're... Yeah. And, and Bond can survive anywhere. And there's just as much evil stuff going on yeah. in both places. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter where you are. Um, there's there's a reason for Bond to be there. Yeah. Even though he doesn't go to Uganda. But he does go to Madagascar, and he, there's that um, pit fight with the yeah. snake and the mongoose. Was that what it was? I don't yeah. remember. Yeah. I don't it, remember. It was, it was a cobra and a mongoose. Okay. Yeah. You know, not glamorous. So I have a comment on research, and we can go to the things we liked and didn't like for us at the end of this page, just so because I see you looking at your... <laughs> you want to go down, or do you want to go back up? Yeah, and then we'll do things we liked and didn't work for so us. So we go into 10? Yeah, 15. we're going to 10. All right, 10. Propane. Propane. We both yes. have this. Yeah, where you can't shoot a propane tank and it won't... And have it... Yeah. Certainly not with a pistol. Yep. And then they needed to research asthma inhalers. Oh, yeah. You inhale, and you hold your breath. And Lashif would go <sighs> right away. And I'm like, there goes all your medication. <laughs> well, that and uh, Bond and Bond and Mathis go and put a tracking device in his thing. And I'm like, I don't think there's room. All right. Between the, the cartridge. To and just the... slip in a big tracking chip. No. Mm -mm. 
Yeah. And he would notice if they did something. I mean, that like that device. Oh, yeah. His henchmen were right there. He doesn't just leave that out for someone to tamper with, especially when you're a guy that poisons people. Yeah. (laughs) And and all I mean, like I'm like, you know, he needs that. He would not. That would be like this is lifeline, you know, and they know like people who have to use those things. They know that thing. Wait, unless it's a tell. Oh, geez. Oh, heaven's sakes. That didn't work. Because that's going to our next show. And tell. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, well, I have plausible and implausible first. Okay. Okay, so security guards leaving the security room as long as they did. Um, in where was, which scene was that? When he, he the, wrecks the... When he's in the Bahamas. In the, the valet, yeah. yeah. Okay. If they had to run to the far side of the parking yeah, lot... Yeah, but I've worked in security rooms, and you never, you always have one person in that room. It doesn't matter how big the emergency is. It was a slow day. <laughs> Apparently. And then he was just in the there benefit. like... <laughs> Um, okay, so... My, oh. my thought was the most implausible thing is that he's able to instantly find the uh, the video clip that he needs to find oh, out. Yes. I was like, <laughs> he found that in no time flat. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he did have the time, but still, there's like 90 cameras at that place. And just, you have to watch every video. Oh, yeah, was that the phone call? Yep, yep, that was that phone call. Yep. Yeah, and then the next thing I noticed, like killing the French guy, you know, stabbing them in the, what were they, like a disco or the... Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and nobody no, knows them... Body st- oh, their body world. Nobody exactly. notices them struggling. It's a body world. People are looking at other stuff. Yeah, but I'm... Uh, yeah, I'm... Uh, yeah. Nobody noticed them struggling, didn't notice them stabbing him, none of that. and then, of course, the guy dies silently. You know, he just... I had a... I, I liked the silent knife fight in a crowd. I thought that was I mean, I'm fine with uh, it, but the, they were like... The knife, like, just way too visible. Something yeah, they should have noticed. done it in, like, a corner, maybe, or something like that. Or close but, together, because... Yeah. Where they they actually try to block people from seeing the knife, yeah. So they can handle because I agree, I think that's kind of fun, and he just puts the guy down. It's on the interesting. Ground and... I mean, normally it's you know like all the other ones are knock down, drag out fights, and now he's trying to be quiet in a crowd. Yeah, yeah. I like the contrast, but yeah, I, I would have handled it a little differently. But then, um, hey, Bond guys, what's up? We can talk. I'll help you make your movies better for a fee. <laughs> for a fee? How big of a fee? Uh, they're gonna have to throw some numbers at me. Six figures at least. At least? I'd say seven. No, I'm not a star. I'm just a creative consultant. <laughs> hey, don't make hey we have a podcast. I have a reach of literally dozens of people. <laughs> That's dozens of ticket sales. If at... that includes your company with Nicholas, then you have more than dozens. That's true. Hundreds. Hundred. <laughs> we have people that don't subscribe no we have just listen we have 74 listeners you can't tell how many subscribers you have oh when you said 74 i thought that meant subscribers well that's how many listens you have a week so you just assume that means how many subscribers you have oh because they don't tell you that stuff it's really hard to well did i skew it because i caught up on all the episodes last week um i don't think so because oh, okay. well, because my mother in law caught up on the other, all the episodes like a couple weeks before that or three weeks before that or something. So there's somebody always catching so up. So it on didn't all of them. it didn't register ten. Okay. No, not really. I mean, we do have a jump, but then it, when somebody new finds the podcast, they generally go and listen to a whole bunch of them anyway. So that's always happening. Like a couple people a week find you, and then they binge okay. listen. So well, I think you know you guys getting as many as you've got done now. That's you're over the hump compared to most people that start and quit yeah so, well we haven't quit yet so, so good on you guys good on you <laughs> okay so all right and this is a common sense thing plausible implausible we've got all of these people fighting in the airport we've got a, a bomb threat we've got ambulance and, and and they're still having planes land yeah 
the, the tower would not let a plane land while there's people, a bomb threat, and this guy's driving this propane or fuel tank thing all over. There's no way the tower would let that happen. There's quite a few other places to land farther out. And, yeah. okay, because you get a but light dusting of snow. around, so maybe they That's said, true. Eh, that other lane's clear. Oh, sorry, it's not now. But see, like, a light dusting of snow, and they don't let you take off, or they don't let you land. You you know, I mean, some airports, they're super, super wussy. And so, I mean, with this, with a terrorist, <laughs> potential terrorist attack, they'd all the planes would stay up in the sky, you know? Well, they certainly would have shut the airport down. Or send them things. to a nearby airport, you know? Yeah, I mean... They would have started, yeah, locking. They would have been. Well, I did up. like that the uh, the cops instantly grabbed him, started beating on him. Yeah, because <laughs> they don't. They're, they're not. He's not getting the slightest benefit of the doubt. <laughs> no, no, that was pretty awesome. I mean, he did drive. He was the driver of a leaky fuel truck driving straight at an airplane. And they didn't see the other guy falling out. You know, even if they did, I would assume everyone's guilty yeah. until you can sort it out later. Yeah, punch first, then talk later. Arrest first. Yeah, I feel just they just wanted to get their hits in anyway. So yeah. <laughs> they're like, I've had a bad week at work. <laughs> All right, so David, tell us about the nail gun. Um, I've used a nail gun quite a few times. I've actually been shot with a nail gun Ow. through the big toe oh, and geez. stuck to a roof. Oh, geez, and then I horrible. had to take a sawzall and oh. cut myself free. Oh, my gosh. That is awful. <laughs> Do you have a not from it? No, because I, I went and I put a poultice on it of uh, comfrey. It's this comfrey powder, and I... Did it and it healed up like crazy fast. Like within That's a week, horrible. it healed up, and now there's just a line on my. It didn't toenail. hit your bone or anything. I think it must have grazed right next to the big bone. I should have a scar, but I don't have a scar. But there's like a line on my big toes nail. So explain the nail gun. They're not autom- They're not automatic. <laughs> you can't just hold the nail gun. They're not even That's not plugged into an air hose and just go. And in my experience from having nail gun wars with friends on the job, once you're like more than five feet away from a guy, that nail starts to spiral. You'll never stick it in. It doesn't go straight. It doesn't go straight. It's not designed to go straight. It's not designed to go straight. It won't stick in a guy. It'll hit him and he'll go, ouch, and it'll fall off. Yeah. But my point is if it's not plugged into an air hose... It's not going to shoot, and it's sure not going to be automatic. And they don't—they have the safety guards, you know. I mean, you—the the thing in the front that you have to push in before you pull well, the you trigger. Could, you could reach your hand up. Yeah. What we would do is we'd reach up and hold the safety back and pull the trigger, but it would only shoot as fast as you could pull the trigger. So yeah, exactly. boom, 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 boom. But even then, you got to be plugged into an air gun, air air hose. Yeah, with a compressor on the other with end. With a compressor. Because <laughs> just the air hose. <laughs> yeah, they, you can't just pick up a nail gun and shoot anybody, and it won't go any distance. I think I think I've been hit with a nail from like two or three feet, two or three feet away, and it won't stick in you. Jeez, just nice little that's comforting. Trivia actually. there. Yeah, we don't uh, endorse nail gun fights <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, let's see. I have something in here noteworthy. James Bond is at this really nice place, and Nolan turns to me and says, "Why don't you ever take me someplace? You know, places nice, anywhere nice." And I was like. Excuse me? It's, not it's like supposed my, to be the other way around? It's not like my coronation comments. Oh, yes. Your coronation comments. My wife has taken me to James Bond, worthy exotic locales. You know, if my husband would give me permission, we would have done it. You have permission? permission? 
you have spend money. To I'm take like, me somewhere, you always have permission to get me stuff or take me places. I'm that like, are awesome. let's go on a cruise to Alaska. Let's go to let's go to Moab. Let's go to St. George. Okay. I can't get work off. That's not, that's not the same thing. <laughs> it's hard to be spontaneous sometimes. It when, is. Especially when you have kids. I'm in charge. It's hard of to stuff. arrange for babysitting. Sorry for all the people that die when I don't go to work. All right. So, David, go ahead and give us your things you liked and worked for you and things you didn't like and didn't work for you. And, Nolan, do you have any of those? Uh, I can come up with some or talk about those. Uh, <laughs> things I like, I, overall, overall, I really like the pacing because mm-hmm. one scene moves to the next. and you know, All the way until he gets tortured be, and then. Pretty much. And so I really liked, overall, the pacing yeah. throughout most all of the movie. I agree with that. Like, there's action that leads to action that leads to suspense and tension and action. And I and yeah. that's the way James Bond movies should be. And the other one is um, there's, there's some moments where I really like where stuff happens where you just don't expect it. Yeah. When Lashif goes into his own room, and you can see his girlfriend out on the balcony, and he yeah. goes to talk to her, you don't. And then the guy, you don't know that he's going to get jumped by the Ugandan no, warlords no. that he stiffed. Yeah, nope, that was but good. It makes perfect jump. sense that they would be there. So it's, I mean, it's surprising uh, that they're who there. Who expects Ugandan warlords when you're right. at the World Poker Championship in you know Montenegro? But yeah, it's not random though. I mean, they have a reason to be there. They do, they do. But at the same time, I liked it because yeah, it's not. I'm like not a, thinking about them, but then right. they show up. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. So it's not like a Deus Ex Machina where it's just like completely random. Yeah, it's not. It's not Deus Ex Machina, and it was. It was a good surprise. A yeah. good, it made perfect you're sense. Like, oh yeah, those but I guys. Didn't, but I oh, didn't crap. see it coming. So I, I really enjoy the the surprises when you don't see it coming. Yeah, yeah. I agree good. with that. Um, things I that I didn't like were just the little little details like the propane tanks, yeah. and reloading your gun, <laughs> and yeah. you know we already mentioned the nail gun, but. Uh, for me, it's it's kind of small details that I think most people that don't have any experience with firearms probably wouldn't even notice. I mean, how many people can say they've shot a propane tank and realize that they don't blow up? Well, I have, but most people haven't. <laughs> uh, let's see. Climax, epilogue, and resolution. I wrote meh. <laughs> Because that's where that's where everything fell apart for me. <laughs> um, th- this movie does suffer from a little bit of uh, Lord of the Rings ending. It has, yeah, it has a drawn out ending, and it's not as it's the movie is front heavy. Like there's a lot of going on until the torture scene, and then it just kind of tapers. There's some really good. I love it when M's like, "Well, too bad the the lion's gone cold." You know, our trail's gone cold, and then James, of course, does his thing, and he goes off and figures out where the money went, but. Well, uh, Vesper left him the message of who yeah. her contact was. Yeah, so. that's right. Yeah, so he knows to go after Mr. White, and I have to say that I love how the next movie picks up right immediately from this yes. one. So for me, in, in my head, it's like I almost have to remember that this one stops and the other one begins. Yeah, yeah and I like that. I like the way the Mr. White, he's like, you know... The way he shoots him, he just le- he just stands over him, and you know, oops. while he's crawling on the in the dirt, yeah, he's just. I'm like, why is he trying to get away? The guy knows where he is. <laughs> yeah, and and the thing is, one of the surprises for someone that had no idea, um, he's not going to rescue the girl. She dies. Yeah. So that's different than all the other ones in general where he always has the girl and he's making out the life draft with her at the end. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's almost true. always the it's, it's where he always gets the girl at the end. It's, it's, it's the the reward is the, the most base way to think of it is he gets the reward of the girl. That's why my wife hates James Bond movies because she's like, it's 
it's taking away that the woman is a person. She's just an object. And so she hates That's James Jane. Bond. Yeah. But so I, she, but so I, my I, wife hates James Bond movies. I love them. But <laughs> this one's different because she dies. Yeah. It's that makes it different. I think the reason the ending dragged is because they wanted to show that he loved her. Then they wanted to show, okay, this is why he's going to be the way he is. Yeah. The rest of the mm-hmm. series. So that that's something that made sense to me. Well, they could have taken all that slow scene and then interspersed it throughout the whole entire movie. Like, have him get tortured at the beginning. See, Just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> and then have with, him be in a hospital bed every 15 minutes. You know, sh- there's, definitely, there's definitely something to be said um, for mixing up your chronology in a story. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. I remember when I was a kid and we were doing... Uh, a study of the New Testament. And I remember we got up to Revelation and one of the ways that people said, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. And our teacher was saying, well, it was popular then to tell a story in the Middle East in a non-chronological way. Yeah. And to me, I was thinking when I was in, you know, I'm 12 years old. I'm like, that's crazy. Why wouldn't you want it linear? Mm-hmm. I'll understand it if it's linear. That's a very... And then I get a little bit older and I go and I watch a movie like Pulp Fiction uh-huh. where it's jumping all over the place. I take it you guys have seen that. I take a Nolan scene that. <laughs> it's jumping all over the place. It's very entertaining. It's, and I'm like, oh, now I get it. Why that might have been a popular way to tell a story in ancient times. Mm-hmm. And that makes more sense. And I'm like, you, Bond movies are always linear. But, yeah. I mean, that's a way that you could have changed it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for when it comes to writing a novel, as long as you're not going to lo- lose your person... Yeah. I think that's you can do that as long as you've got the talent to make sure people aren't getting lost mm-hmm. between a flashback. You do a flashback right. You know, you don't do a stupid dream sequence. <laughs> Alan! We bring that up. All the time. Frequently. Stupid dream sequences. No, yes. he knows he's listened to the episodes. Yes. <laughs> so it's it's I, a pet peeve of ours. Yeah. So I don't think a, a book, a story has to be linear. No. I mean, you can tell it right. My, my favorite you know, if this, linear, and maybe though. Maybe if Casino Royale wasn't linear, maybe you could have liked it more if it would have done it. It's, it's possible. I prefer linear, though. I just... I generally write linear myself, but I can appreciate somebody else's. If they can do it well. Yeah. Which is very difficult to pull it off and make it feel like it was necessary for the story. All right. Are we ready for trivia? Unless you have miscellaneous comments. Um, we save our three takeaways for the very end after after trivia. trivia. The uh, technical aspect soundtrack. I, I always like the theme they use. They always work in the theme do, from the do, beginning. Do, do. Well, I'm not it. even talking about the that that James Bond thing. I'm talking about the you know my name theme. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And they you always do that in all yep. the Bond movies. I like that. When it comes to the angles and everything, they're good. Like that ending where Mr. White's on the ground, he's standing over him. That's good. I but at the, the same time, yeah. this isn't a cinematic masterpiece where it's wow, look at this shot, look at that. There, there's some movies where you can really appreciate how you're seeing the perspectives. This isn't one of those movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I it, I like it for what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like the camera work in it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys okay with me reading trivia? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so this is the first James Bond film approved by Chinese censors. Oh. All other films in the franchise were available in China only as illegal bootlegs. So many uh, so many of the villains were Chinese. <laughs> well, maybe Dr. No. Dr. No started that trend, yeah. yeah. As of 2007, um, this was the highest grossing movie of the Bond official film franchise, and then Skyfall passed it. Let's see. Um, 
Okay, so you know in the Bahamas, the construction site, it was an abandoned hotel that's been filmed in many Bond movies. So like Thunderball, The Spy Who Loved Me, and they never finished it. It was a hotel that they were, they were building and then they never finished it and, and James Bond. For like 50 years. Yeah, for a very long time. It's now part of a military base. Okay, so the, this is the first film in the franchise to show Bond as a rookie, MI6, as we talked about, you know, in all the other films he'd been a spy already. Uh, let's see. Oh, and this one was interesting. So Ian Fleming said that when he was writing, writing Casino Royale, he would write 2,000 words a day, and it took him three hours to write 2,000 words. And he'd do it every morning. He said it dutifully produced itself. And he this is the way a lot of authors do it, but he wrote nothing and made no corrections until the book was finished. And he said he might have despaired if he looked back at what he'd written. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that's the way a lot of authors do it. You know, they they start and then they don't edit until they finish it. But I'm like, 2,000 words in three hours? He had a typewriter. Why couldn't he have gone faster than that? He had a typewriter. <laughs> yeah. He thought a lot about what he was With a typewriter, writing. I feel like that's a good pace. Man. But then I I generally I think I'm doing good if I'm doing a thousand an hour. Mm-hmm. Thousand an hour is pretty decent, isn't it? I don't remember. Uh, for me, that makes me feel like I'm doing good. I don't remember how fast I I wouldn't say I'm crazy fast. Yeah. Some people would, but I wouldn't. Let's see. So you know the Grand Canal when they're on the yacht, um, they're just hanging around in Venice. That was the first time authorities, Venice authorities, had given permission for a non-commercial. Um, yacht to be on that the what's it called the Spirit 54 is what it's called oh no that's the yacht anyway so the Grand Canal between the Academia and the Rialto bridges so the last time somebody had, that sort of a yacht had been approved there was centuries ago and so I don't know why they gave this one you know James Bond such money great. James Bond yeah <laughs> they kicked their butts if they were saying that. and this guy's this crate this is crazy to me the only CGI in the film the only CGI in the film is when the building's sinking so when they're up on those cranes and everything he says they used wires and they erased out the wires and that was the only other CGI they did isn't that crazy I wouldn't be able to do it the jumping around well, no, that's why they pay someone. That's why they pay Daniel Craig, because yeah. he did a lot of the stunts himself. Uh, let's see. That's one reason why he says he's getting too old. Yes. Now. Uh, they they considered Pierce Brosnan, but having him return for a fifth engagement, Jay's Bond, they would have had to pay him $30 million. <laughs> you don't reboot with the same guy. Yeah, you can't no. reboot. I agree. Uh, yeah, so you guys know that the semi-naked girls are the opening credits. They decided not to do that because James Pond hadn't been established as his character until the end of the movie. So I thought that was cool because it was they had it, they did it for a reason, you know. Yeah, that's why in Quantum of Solace we get the ladies of oil. Oh, yeah. Ugh, it's yeah. kind of creepy. It is. I agree. Uh, let's see. In one afternoon shooting, three Aston Martin DBS cars valued at three hundred thousand dollars each were destroyed. <sighs> no one. <laughs> He's sobbing here. Uh, uh, this one's insane. Daniel Craig lost his two front teeth while filming a fight scene in Prague. So they had to fly in his that's, so that's dentist. The, that's the opening fight scene. Yeah. Yeah, so he actually lost. His dentist had to come in and give him new teeth. Oh, ouch. Yeah, that's pretty big. <laughs> Dave is like, that's nothing. I got dentures already. No, I. this tooth is broken in half and fake oh that's cool you can probably see it it's now that you've pointed out but uh, i wouldn't have noticed but that's cool yeah i broke it in a bathroom in prague 
<laughs> no, I was in Montana and I was working on my car and I fell Ow. and landed on my face on the concrete and I actually chipped a chunk out of the garage floor and this tooth broke in half. Oh, I man. Was, I was 19. I was mortified. Well, yeah. Because it was like a big dance coming up like in two days. And I was just, oh. So what did you do? Did you go to the dentist? My parents like took that? me to the dentist that day and oh, they got the fake one on there. Wow, lucky. Usually it takes time for them to do fittings and everything. Okay, so let's see. Uh, the scene where Bond comforts Des- Vesper. Okay, so basically... The finger-sucking scene. Ugh. Sorry, that one. That me. that whole scene was shot in one take, which I thought was interesting. Who you know, wants don't, to do that? Don't twice. make me do that again. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And Daniel Craig is the first actor to play James Bond, who is younger than the franchise itself. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, to prepare for the role, uh, oh yeah, so uh, James Bond, actually, Daniel Craig actually read all of Ian Fleming's books and then watched all of the previous movies as he was preparing for the role. I wish that all um, actors would bother. Yeah. Take it that seriously. Yes. So they actually um, understand. So many don't take their job seriously at all. Don't understand franchi- the, a beloved franchise and then they don't bother immersing themselves in any material at all. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are like, I didn't want to read the books because I wanted to be come with a fresh perspective. Wrong. Yeah, not for an iconic character. Like, you need to, they need to understand the character. Yep. Let's see, so that you know the part where he comes out of the sea in a Speedo, the most of the camera crew were at having to ward off paparazzi. Because oh. <laughs> they're like, it's Daniel Craig coming out of the ocean in a Speedo. Okay, so when Vesper, after when she's in the shower sitting on the floor, uh, Daniel Craig, okay, she was originally supposed to be either naked or just in her underwear, and Daniel Craig was like, no, that's out of character. She would be in there fully dressed. Yeah, she, like, checked out and, like, just walked in there. Yeah. So, I mean, severe PTSD. You're not going to be like, like, let me undress first and then hop in the shower. No. Let me hang my clothes up carefully. Yep. Seductively. Yes, seductively, (laughs) yes. Anyway, I thought that was awesome. Good for him. And Daniel Craig rejected the part of James Bond a year before because he felt that the series had settled into a, a formula. And then after they did this one and he read the screenplay, he's like, all right, I'll do it now because yeah. this one was different. That opening parkour chase scene, is it the one of those in Uganda or whatever? That uh, Madagascar. Took six weeks to film. It's quite complicated. Yeah. And then let's see, Daniel Craig gained 20 pounds of muscle, muscle for the role. He adhered to mostly proteins, minimized his carbs, trained five days a week, and only did cardio exercises on weekends. And he said that he was in so much pain every day of this shoot because of how much, how physically taxing it was on him, doing all the stunts he had to do and everything. Hmm. So there there comes the age again. It's been several years. and I would have broken then because... <laughs> no, you would have gotten stronger. <laughs> oh, you mean literally breaking yeah, like, yeah, like I'm like literally <laughs> All right, so we ready for some takeaways. Yes. David, would you like to go first? Takeaways. Yeah. Uh, my takeaways would be, I definitely like the pacing, mm-hmm. at least for most of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I like the short, punchy scenes that get to the point, the yeah. action points the intrigue that'll lead you to the next thing. And then I definitely think it's worthwhile trying to come up with ways to surprise the audience, but aren't do sex machina. The idea that, Oh, that makes total sense, but I didn't see it coming. I think if, if you can pull that off in, in your writing, it'll really help make you memorable. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's something I personally strive to do. Yeah, I like that. Next one. 
dialogue. I enjoyed most all the dialogue. I, dialogue. I, I, you know, Judy Dench had some great lines. I mean, real, realistically, she wasn't in it that much. Mm-mm. But every time she was in there, she had good things to say. She had a, a reason good, to be there. In a good way. You know, yeah. she, she definitely shows her intelligence and that she's in charge. Mm-hmm. Even when she's surprised that he's in her place, she's still snappy. Yeah. She's like, oh, you come back. She doesn't let him walk all over her. Yeah, yeah, she does not. And I I liked that. I thought she had great dialogue. And we mentioned earlier how both him and uh M and Vesper can say something to shut him down. And, you know, he might have a one liner back and then they'll have it right back at him. Yeah. I like that. And yeah. overall, you know, and you know, it's not quite as punchy, but I think even Lashif had some good dialogue when he was talking, you know, whether he was surprised, even when he's in terror, he's like, oh, you'll get your money. And he, the, he conveyed the fear of suddenly Mr. White shows up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And overall, I just, I liked the dialogue. Yeah. That last, that last lose almost killed me. <laughs> last <Yeah>. loss. <laughs> that was, that was a great piece of dialogue. Oh, yes. Yeah. When he gets the present, last hand, that last, that hand, last almost, hand almost killed me. Yeah. Um, and then my other takeaway is because I write action adventure, I like the action in the show because I like to think about, okay, I want to make sure when I'm writing something, I'm conveying it something realistically. So if you're going to have action in your book, in your writing, I think it's a good idea to watch fights yeah. and try to come up with a good way of how would I use words to describe what I just saw and do that because so many times people can accidentally have a five foot arm (laughs) or, you know, do something that's totally impossible. Yeah. You can't very well punch out two guys that are coming at you at the same time. It's not very realistic. No. And I think watching action scenes can help you visualize in your words how to come out with a realistic action scene, you know, obviously if you're not going too crazy. Yeah. But I mean, something that's more of a gritty, realistic fight, you'll be able to look at that and then write a gritty, realistic fight. Mm-hmm. I guess if you want to write an absurd fight, go watch an absurd movie mm-hmm. and <laughs> for that. Because uh, I definitely think cinematically when I'm writing, mm-hmm. I, I, I watch the scene in my head and I'm trying to put down the words of what I saw. And... So for something like this, with so many great action scenes, I think it's great because yeah. of what I write. I agree. No, I agree. And there's a lot of variety in the action. Too. Oh, yeah. There yeah, is, there's, yeah. There's different different fights happen in different ways. I mean, I love that they come up with the tumbling down the stairwell fight. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, with her running away the whole yeah, time. Yeah, and they, they keep avalanching towards her. She's yeah. trying to get away. And sometimes they're jumping down to a landing and the, any space that she gained between them, she just loses and yeah. it's going down, down, down. That was, I think, a clever way. Mm-hmm. Um and it's always good to try and mix it up because I think you want to have at least a few surprises in your book for the reader of something that's a different way of presenting something they might already know just yeah. to mix up your story. See, that's a completely separate take right there. You know, you just gave four takeaways because that last one is actually really good. I mean, they're all, right. all really good. But <laughs> I better quit right now so that I can save one for later. <laughs> No, I, I agree with that. Like you, like having something up your sleeve, it's a way to de- delight your readers, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you study how movies do it, how other books do that, then yeah, makes yeah, your I mean, writing stronger. The reason why we, I, you listen to our podcast, the reason why is so, I mean, 
we can have somebody watch a movie for two hours and learn something. You know, mm-hmm. they get like, we'd be like, read this book. And then like 30 hours later, they're like, I learned a lesson, I guess. Yeah. You know, this is a quick way. And we tried to pick movies people have already seen so they could. Yeah. It's accessible or, or maybe some that are obscure that did something really well or badly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then they can they can learn a lesson in a couple me. of. Yeah, you can learn a lesson in a couple Skyline. of. Skyline. Skyline was one. You see, um, your guys' take on that actually made me intrigued enough that I thought, oh, do I want to go watch that? You one? should watch it. The you graphics should. are so good. The graphics are so awesome. Yeah, they did. It's it's an older movie, so it's starting to show. Yeah, yeah, older, but, but 2010. <laughs> no, your guys' show on it really actually made me think. Oh, maybe I should watch that. And then you'll hate yourself when you're done. Okay, no, I don't know. But, why but I, I'm a mystery science theater guy, so okay, I watch right, bad movies all the time. Okay, then you'd enjoy it. They you would enjoy they, it. We requested that one from them, and they it they, wasn't big it wasn't enough. Big enough. Could they them. do old movies that are cheap to get the rights to, or big, like modern Bigger movies? movies. Yeah. yeah, like whatever. Jerks. And it's in between, so... Yeah. Alas. What are your takeaways, Nolan? Uh, mine are, never let your readers get bored. Even when there's downtime, which you need in between action scenes, yeah. it should still be meaningful. And they did that in this movie. They threw in a lot of sex in there. But <laughs> by, but they had interactions where he demonstrates his character yeah. when not in combat. Yeah, yep. I mean, he still, he still wrecks things. He still messes things up. He still gets things right. He still investigates. Yeah. He does all those things. Something that it's always moving. There's something always moving until the right, and they cut out the part. Until the boring that, part. They cut. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but they they cut out. You know, they don't like we mentioned. They don't show him going to the airport and getting on no, an airplane. Yeah. He just he's he's in the Bahamas and then he's in Miami. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yep. I and like we he, we know he's going there. He's like, oh, the you know, the lady tells him he's on a late flight to Miami, and he's like, okay, cool, I'm out. And then he's in Miami. We knew what he was doing. Yeah. We didn't have to like. To Los Angeles. Los Angeles. <laughs> From Spain. Yes. Have you ever seen Zorro the Game Blade? Yeah. Have you? You're the first person I've met that has outside of this family. I watched that all the time when I was a kid because it was on HBO. So I would watch it <laughs> so amazing. over and over and over. And I didn't know what gay meant yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I was little, so yeah. but I liked it. It's such Zorro's a cool. Movie. Yeah. Anyway, continue, Nolan. Um, this movie does rebooting well. We've talked about relaunching series. Um, and rebooting, mm-hmm. and this is an example of where that worked. Yeah, they've gotten off track. You know, they were losing their audience. They brought it back. Yeah, and this was same a great elements. way to bring it back. Yeah, they brought it back with the same elements. I mean, it's still James Bond, mm-hmm. a lot of the same characteristics, but new take mm-hmm. that didn't alienate the readers, but improved on it. Yeah, so that was good. Um. And then this is kind of related, but uh, a new take on a classic character. Yeah. yeah. It, is, it is new. He is different. It is a new take, but it still feels like Bond. They managed to do both. Yeah. I agree with that. Like, it's not like the new Star Wars, you know, that, that don't feel like they're related. Yeah. But I mean. Don't get me started. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. Good for you. I didn't. I'm like. Good for you. No. I, I watched. I've seen Seven and. Um, Rogue One. And five minutes of The lo- the Last Jedi. And I was yelling. And I was like, are we really <laughs> for, watching this right some... now? Because if we're watching it, we're watching it not yelling at it. <laughs> it's going to be both with me. I should just do it on my own so you don't have to suffer through me yelling at it. It's absolutely some of the worst uh, movie making and storytelling that you can imagine. Anyway, so back to your point. <laughs> there are only three Star Wars movies is always my point. Yes. 
Anyway. No, but um, they did a reboot without it feeling... It still feels like James Bond. And a lot of that is like the, you know, the exotic locations, the poor... Yeah, he you travels... You get in those locations. Uh, yeah, uh, globetrotting, like... Um, the technology. Yeah, uh, yeah. But this one actually was had uh, didn't have as many little gadgets, gadget, no. gizmos. No, but he still had enough, and he, he had nice cars, and you yeah. know, yeah, he, he did have some technology. It was enough for him to do his job and yeah. feel plausible. Mm-hmm. But it he's also a new agent, so he's not going to have all all the, the all the access to all the things. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't get the spy car with the missiles until later. <laughs> I want a I want a car with missiles. So do I. It's always been a dream of mine. <laughs> Alas. Anyway, those anyway, are my three. those are your points. Okay, okay. So my my comment here, I've got three that are similar to what you guys said. But first, um, origin stories can be fun. I hate origin stories generally. Like I'm for the so... sake of origin stories. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about that with with sequels, and so this counts as kind of like a sequel because it's a reboot. Mm-hmm. You know, where you have to give them new arcs out of nowhere, mm-hmm. um, and how much that can hurt the story. Yeah, so origin stories can be fun. Um, it's fun to see how characters develop their traits and their quirks and then use those throughout the series. Uh, don't... Okay, authors aren't going to do this. They're not going to sit and give reboot, 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 you know? Not like a movie does. No. That would be kind of interesting, actually, though, if I rebooted my series, one of my series. Well, you could, make a, you could make a character where they, they literally reboot every... I wouldn't be able to do that. That would be kind of weird. Though. Yeah. I'm no, Doctor to... Who does. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Season. So. It's a, pretty much it's a new guy. Uh, my next point is a reader's promise. I didn't feel like they gave us a very solid reader's, uh, very solid promise in the story. I like it when the setup of the, of the story tells where you are leading. And this one was fine. Um, I thought they could have made it a little bit stronger. But so we've got, you know, the multiple bad guys leading up to the big, big bad guy. But I didn't feel like they made it very clear what the end game was at the very, very beginning of the movie. But, um... So they could have, because they could have shaved 20 plus minutes off the movie. <laughs> I don't disagree with you on the timing. I think movies uh, often have gotten too long. I think it's like they, they feel like they have to be two and a half hours. What was now? the movie we recently watched where we felt like two and a half hours was perfect? Um, what movie was that? It was just very recent. Oh, Thor Ragnarok. Oh, yeah. Thor Ragnarok. It was long, but it didn't feel long. Yeah. And it's funny now that you think of an hour and a half movie and think well that's short yeah yeah two hours is about where i like a movie to be sometimes a little bit over i think the shortest who's the shortest one Lars? no uh, no it was jurassic world three or jurassic park three was an hour and a half exactly and it was could have had most of it it was better than two that's true i agree what it was better than two. Three oh yes, yes. I, think I said hated two. I we hated all. two. It was bad. Yes. Two. Okay. Then my last takeaway is, I, I I love James Bond. I love thriller. I love spy espionage type books. So not everyone who likes your genre will like your book, even if it's a great book. So like I said, this is not my favorite. There's things about this movie that I absolutely love, but my takeaway, my end of the movie is uh, I don't want to watch it again, <laughs> which doesn't happen a lot for me. With movies, I mean, Jurassic World, the last one, I was ready to watch it again, you know. Um, but so we always as we always talk about people who aren't your target audience and they're not going to like your book because they're not your target audience. But we also we need to address the fact that people who are your target audience will sometimes hate your book, too. You know, even if it's a great book and well read, well written, you know. So I think that's important for authors to remember, you know, even even greats are disliked by people who love that genre. 
That's true. Somebody at work hated Tolkien. Somebody at work? Yeah. People at work would with... hate Tolkien. No. You work with... No, no. But I mean, he, he liked the fantasy genre, but he absolutely hates Tolkien. Okay. Um, yeah. I've been meeting more people like that lately. Yeah. Who think it's too slow. And yeah. It's like, dude, it's at the stage right? yeah. for epic, so you have to appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's it. And David, go ahead. Let's have you read your ex excerpt because I forgot to give that at the beginning of the movie or whatever okay. we're talking about right now. So my book, Brutal, by by James Alderdice, my pen name. And how did you come up with that pen name, by the way? I've been meaning to ask um, you. James is my father's name and Alderdice is my maternal grandmother's name. So... Nice. It's still kind of, you know, in the family. Yeah, it and feels I, like And it's... I looked it up. There's no other James Alderdice on Amazon. Alderdice. Important. My, you know, talking it over with my wife, she thought, oh, that sounds like a fantasy author name. Yeah. No, I like so it. So I like And I like your book cover. I got that from Demanza. Oh, did Oh, that's right. Yeah, I think you told and, me about uh, that. He's, he's good. Yeah, I think of it as... Um, Conan the Barbarian meets Fistful of Dollars, mm -hmm. or Yojimbo for anybody that likes samurai movies. We all like samurai And I owe a lot to Dashiell Hammett's Red Harvest, too. Was into all of that when I was writing this one. I'm, I'm making David read his excerpt because I think everybody needs a break from me reading sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so here's, here's a quick short excerpt from probably the last 75%. Their conversation was interrupted by the sound of a heavy slapping hitting the cobbles which echoed down the close-knit streets. Everyone turned to one another in wonder at what could be making such a curious sound. Then it would pause and there would be a momentary scream of man or beast, a hard crackling and crunch of rending flesh and breaking bones, and then the heavy slapping on the cobbles came closer. What the hell is that sound? asked the old man. I don't think you want to know, said the sellsword. Quick, get off the street and into cover. Basement or a tunnel. Why? What is it? asked Nicene. She put her hands to her ears when a horse screamed in its death throes and was suddenly silenced by the wet, sloppy sound of chomping coming from right around the corner. Nice. Move fast! Move now! It's fast! The quick slapping of heavy feet on the road came again, and the massive beast shot its head around the corner. The tongue darted out, tasting the air like a great serpent, while its gaping mouth behind was brimming full of needle-sharp teeth. I never heard of a lizard being this big, said the old man. This one is bred of sorcery and ate its kin. What is it? gasped Nicene. Basilisk, grated the sellsword. Nice. And I was picturing like a gigantic Komodo dragon. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't want to call it a dragon, so I made him call it a basilisk. No real reason. I just wanted something different. Yeah. I like that. All right. So I was in the middle of nowhere. Sorry if that... No, that's great. It's action. I mean, that that's engaging. We yeah, that's, people. that's the point okay. with an excerpt. I mean, you don't want to... You know, the start of your book needs to catch people. The mountains but... were cold that day. No, we don't want okay. that. Yeah. No, it's better to start with something like where the action's going and the characters are already established. Um, that's my yeah, that's and my that's feeling. one thing with this is um, no origin. Just in the beginning, right in the, he's yeah. just shot right into it, and you got to find out stuff along the way. But I can't stand origins for the most part. Yeah, yep, that's me. They're they're overdone. They're they're a crutch for writers because they are from Hollywood. Maybe. Yeah, because yeah. you go from zero to one, it's easy to show arcs. That way, it's harder once they're established. Yeah, so yeah. it's just it's just lazy, lazy writing. <laughs> Hollywood failures. <laughs> Sorry. I want to really thank you guys for having me. Yeah. 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 Thank you for joining us. Any last comments from either of you? I think we've pretty much done last comments, right? 
Yeah. You're staring at me blankly. Sorry, my brain's shutting down. It's getting late. You're like, me. we're done already, right? We haven't even said bye yet. No, we're not done. We kept him pretty late, so we should Yeah, he has it. to get up even earlier than you do, I think. Really? No, wait. What time do you have to get it's up? It's the 4th of July. I oh, he has to work. Yeah. yeah, we're recording the night before the 4th, which is why you heard fireworks. I have to work times. one major holiday a year. Well, that's an all right one then. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so thank you for listening. And if you have any questions, go ahead and send me an email at Andrea at selfpublishedstrong.com. Where can people actually find you, David, and your books and everything? Oh, my website is www.kingdavidjwest.com. Oh, really? Very See, nice. he's had a coronation. Have you had a coronation? I was just trying to come up with something and I couldn't take davidjwest.com because a photographer in Springville has it. Oh, jerk. Lame. Yeah, we Do can you know where he lives. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's in Springville. That's all we, I know. We can take care of him. Nolan and I are on I the just same. Need page. his name, a social security number, and it's well, yours. Well, he got his name, David J. West. We don't need a social security number. We can take him out without that. I don't know what you're talking about on the podcast. <laughs> so I guess I could have put author David J. West, but that just seemed too convoluted. I said forget it, and I think I think somebody might have even grabbed that, even though I don't know who it is. So I just. Somebody who's watching you and they're like, he's going to be big. I don't know. It's funny, though, because, I mean, I write a lot of, I write a little bit of everything that's action, weird westerns, horror, Lovecraft. Which is how you and I got met. How we met was through your horror writing. Yeah. So learning more about marketing, I said, okay, Amazon's algorithms think I write Lovecraftian weird western fantasy historicals. Yeah, which is so not how am this. I going to market myself? Okay, I'll do the pen name and clear the palette. James Alderdice will only do fantasy. Yeah, and he outsells me. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is you, so you outsell yourself. Yeah, that's not. A bad I like your real weird westerns, but yeah, I don't think the market's as big. It's not. It's it's more. I just really enjoy it. I I like coming up with. The stories, so yeah. I mean, there are some weird Western um, franchises, but not. Yeah, not, it's, not a, it's, it's a much tougher sell, and it's more just I just enjoy it. But yeah, I mean, that's what we learned with like middle grade and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's like you can succeed, but you're like, yeah, I'm number ten in um, middle grade royalty. No, I was I was number one most of the time in yeah. middle grade. It was just uh, being number one means you're pretty number one million yeah well not number one million but yeah basically i mean i was making money i was making really good money compared to most middle grade authors and we were like we can't survive on this (laughs) we're making hundreds of dollars a month uh, my best months with weird westerns i was probably making up to four four hundred a month with weird westerns and that was pretty much just the weird westerns yeah because this hat wasn't out yet so it was pretty much just the weird westerns but i thought hey four four to five hundred a month yeah it's pretty cool well, it's nice. It's a hobby. It's not really a hobby anymore at that point because it's you're actually making. Well, I mean, that's decent money. side money. But if you want it to be full time, oh yeah, and that's that's when I started going. Okay, I gotta go to a market that's bigger. I gotta produce more, mm-hmm. you know, and still write what I love. Yeah. So, yeah. a lot of people have said this. This is fantasy, but a lot of people said it's very Western flavored, even though it's not cowboy. You just can't get away from it. It still has that. There's a that, that vibe. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anyway, so yeah, so kingdavidjwest.com and, and on Amazon. On Amazon, yeah. Also, check out his stuff. James Alderdice on Amazon is his pen name. Yep. Yeah. For uh, military fantasy. Yeah, military fantasy. Okay. Okay. Dragons and mythical creatures. Sweet. That sounds good. Yeah, I've upped the ante with the next one. I have a lot more weird monsters that I started borrowing from uh, Mesoamerica. 
nice. <laughs> you guys would be afraid of Cocopelli. <laughs> I always have been. He has his seeds in his back, right? Yeah. That's why he's got the hump, right? Yeah. But is that a flute? <laughs> is that a flute? Or is that a big proboscis that sucks oh. blood? I always thought it was a dark gun, but... That, that works too. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So, go ahead. Look up J um, David J. West's books or, or James, James Alderdice. I'm very tired. And, yeah. Uh, we'll talk to you all later. Okay. Bye. 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 Oh, and thank you, David, for joining us. <laughs> okay. You're welcome. Okay. Bye. Bye.